everyone. Welcome to Challenge Yourself Coaching and Leadership Podcast. We are so excited to have you here today. My name is McKenna Wrights. And I am Greg Wrights. We are so excited to have the Randy Oster with us today. Randy Ostra is the President and Chief Executive Officer of ProMedica, overseeing the non-for-profit mission-based integrated health and well-being organization headquartered in Toledo, Ohio. Prior to this role, he served as President and Chief Operating Officer. Oster is regarded as one of the nation's top leaders in healthcare and has earned a spot on several prestigious listings, which include Modern Healthcare's 100 Most Influential People in Healthcare and Becker's Healthcare's 100 Great Leaders in Healthcare. He has a strong commitment to the healthcare industry and community and serves on the board of trustees of the following national organizations, Local Initiative Support Corporation, American Hospital Association, Health Research and Educational Trust, and the Root Cause Correlation, which ProMedica founded. He serves on the Board of Trustees for his alma mater, Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa, and the following organizations in Northwest Ohio, Regional Growth Partnership, Toledo Museum of Art, Connect Toledo Downtown Development Corporation, and the Toledo Symphony. Ostra is also a member of the Ohio and Michigan Hospital Associations and a fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives. Ostra holds a doctorate in management from Case Western Reserve University, a master's degree in healthcare administration from the University of Minnesota, a master's degree in management from the University of Wisconsin, and a bachelor's of science degree in biology from Northwestern College. As recognition for his strong commitment and positive contributions to the community, Ostra was named the Jefferson Award for Public Service. He also was chosen by the Jefferson Awards Foundation to represent Toledo at the organization's national ceremony in Washington, D.C., Additionally, Oster received the Ohio Hospital Association's Donald R. Newkirk Award for making a significant lifetime contribution to the healthcare industry. Thank you so much, Randy, for taking the time out of your very busy schedule, especially what is going on in our society today, to speak with us about uh, your philosophy on leadership. Yeah, no, great to be with you. Yeah, uh, definitely interesting times coming off a unprecedented year and. Uh, Interesting time in our country and personally, as we, you know, feel optimistic about the future, but then dealing with a lot of things in society. So definitely challenging times. Well, again, we greatly appreciate you taking the time and, and really our focus is is leadership. And obviously that's where we're at. And what I'd love to kick off with is kind of where your leadership journey began. I know you you graduated from Northwestern College with your bachelor's degree. Did you go to Northwestern? specifically thinking you were going to go into kind of a business management type of a profession, or did your leadership journey begin even before that uh, in athletics or whatever it happened to be? You know, that's uh, uh, kind of a loaded question. You know, my uh, parents were immigrants. My uh, mom actually immigrated with her parents and my dad was the oldest of like 15 kids and um, were Dutch, Ostra is a, a Dutch name. And, uh, you know, my parents didn't have the ability to go to school and they might have gone, if you ask them, third grade ish. But because they were the oldest child, they were expected to work. And actually, my father worked as a hired man, quote unquote, until he was 18. And so, you know, my parents um, didn't have a luxury education, but really emphasized to my uh, sister, brother and myself, uh, there was a gap in our family. So my sister is about 15 years older and a brother that's about six years older. So I kind of got raised as an only child. And and so uh, while my parents were great, religious, hardworking people, 
you know, they uh, weren't really focused necessarily on tracks. I mean, their idea was to get a good job. And I was fortunate just throughout life, you know, I, I had some vision problems and had an optometrist who was probably an early mentor, teachers in high school. But yeah, it was always like get a good job and uh, had a, a family that a sister and brother that were teachers. So I so, you know, I was I started out to be a teacher. And the idea there was, again, given a high school coach and teacher that I wanted to be a history teacher and coach. And um, I went to a very small religious college that was close to my hometown because really that was the only option I had economically to, to go to. That was really was the option. Played small college football and um, was fortunate that my advisor was a biology professor. So my idea was to be either a history or a science uh, teacher and then coach. And I got into sports and I, I really decided that really wasn't a, I really didn't want to be a coach um, as I thought about my future. And my advisor kept, you know, uh, encouraging me to, to think more broadly. And for a while, I thought about being a physical therapist and I became fairly close to my advisor. And he said, you should teach in college. So you should go get, uh, he was actually got a medical degree as a medical technologist, which I did. And then go on and get a, you know, master's and go on and get a doctorate and teach in small colleges like I do. So that was really my path. And I had gone to graduate school, had to quit for a while to work to make some money, uh, met my wife, and then um, got a job with a company that provided a lot of services to uh, hospitals in the Midwest, small hospitals. And so I spent about five or six years traveling around the Dakotas, uh, Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, and spent a fair amount of time in public health service hospitals uh, on Indian reservations. And then one day I was flying with a physician and he asked me this question, what I was going to be doing when I was 50 years old. And at that point, I'd kind of given up on my idea of teaching. I thought I'd keep doing this consulting, traveling thing. And he strongly suggested that I do something else. And so through a period of discussions and career options that, that I kind of looked at with him, everything from religious counseling to going to law school, ended up, my wife and I quit our jobs when we were uh, in our 20s, late 20s, uh, and with two kids went back to school. And so I kind of started over and then started a health administration career. So probably a little longer answer, but really up to that point, it was just have a job, keep your head down, work hard, take care of your family, because that truly was who my parents were. How difficult was it for you both to have two kids and go back to school? Well, you know, um, I would uh, strongly discourage my children from ever doing that. Uh, and, you know, we just did it. And um, uh, this the gentleman who actually was pushing me to do something else, ironically, they ended up selling their organization a year or two later. And so he in his heart was looking out for me and we just did it. I mean, we, um, we cleaned our apartment building for free rent. Uh, my wife was doing income taxes. Um, I worked for a, a health system uh, part-time and, you know, we kind of just lived and uh, we look back on it. It was some of our happiest times in life. It was pretty simple. We had two little children, but we did things like we sold our cars and, and, and bought a small car. We rolled the buses a lot. And really, I think, you know, it's this notion, if you really want to do something, you can probably figure out a way to do it sometimes. And so kind of grace of God, we were able to do it. They were great years of our lives. 
Probably the hardest thing is when we started over then, I think we had assumed we'd be able to start at a little higher level, like economically. And it, it took us quite a while to kind of get back to even our previous incomes when we had quit. So um, it actually was a really great experience and we have no regrets. It's turned out incredibly well. But yeah, you know, I looked, my father-in-law was not very happy at the time and, and now I know why. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you have a second master's degree. I'm assuming that's kind of when that transition occurred and it was really being urged more or less by a mentor in leader, in a leadership role that kind of kicked you off into your leadership journey. Would you, would you agree with that? Yes. You know, education has uh, been my key to life. You know, I, you know, I just look, I grew up in a town. My wife grew up um, on a farm. I don't know if she had 20 kids in her class. Um, my class probably had 40 or 50 kids, a uh, hometown of a couple thousand people, agricultural based, and so, you know, what was the key for us in just where we grew up and, and kind of how were our path changed in life was just keep going to school. And, um, you know, I became a better student the more I kept going to school. And, um, you know, that's been really kind of one of those keys to us, I think, education wise, uh, both for us and, and for my wife and I and for our children is really been, the, the you know, education is a key and it opens a lot of doors and can really dramatically impact your idea in life and where you can go. And um, the mentors um, that I had always kind of, uh, one of them especially, kind of analyzed when we were thinking about career changes, like, well, you hear different careers, but understand what each career is, what the requirements are, and what's, what's, what's required in that job, and, and what's the economics of that job. Because when you pick it, you have to be happy in that career. And it was just really helpful. So, you know, I was really blessed with some people that throughout my life have just been really good, solid mentors and uh, people that really looked out for, for, for me and my family. So it's um, very appreciative. So throughout your career, uh, up into the point of being CEO of ProMedica, how often and how much adjusting and adapting have you been doing with your leadership skills, your leadership style, to kind of get to the point you are now and then also, you know, dealing with the past year of having to possibly change of possible leadership? You know, um, in some ways, my leadership style has changed um, in some small ways, but but a lot of it is still some basics that I just learned from some early mentors uh, in life. The physician who encouraged me to go back to school you know, just was always cognizant of um, everybody in the organization. And no matter what you did, he recognized people. And, you know, really, I think, you know, you think of a servant leader, just watching him day by day and, and just the impact that, that he had. And so when you see that uh, and you see a person do that, it's, it's you know, pretty striking on you. Another uh, leader that I worked for in, in Michigan was just a great business person and asked questions and, and did things. And uh, to this day, a lot of the things I do are the things he did, even, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And one of my first jobs, I worked for a, a really successful healthcare executive. And for the first few months I worked for him, he would take me to meetings and he would tell me to keep my mouth shut. You go, put your arms on the table, not your elbows, pull yourself up to the table keep your mouth shut. And someday I'll tell you when you can talk. And that went on for a few months. But after every meeting, he'd ask me questions like, well, you know, what'd you see? Uh, what'd you hear? 
What'd you think of Jane or Joe's body language? And so, so, you know, I've just been very fortunate just to have people like that. And I think what happens, I think different times you emphasize different skill sets that people have, have, you know, probably been an example in your life. And I think, you know, more recently, again, over the last year, you know, it's been a real humbling year um, from a caregiver standpoint. And I go back to just the basics of people that are true servant leaders that we see and and how they appreciate people and the the work that people have done around covid is is really humbling so so in some ways i'd say it hasn't changed all that much but i think what happens is is it's just a blending over time and and the more people you meet i think you blend your leadership style and the other part is you know your style is your style and uh, everyone has a different style and even though you can kind of emulate people in, in parts, you have to create your own story and your own style. Interesting perspective. And I very much agree with, with that. I mean, individuals is key. I'm wondering, as you're looking at kind of the, the various roles you've gone through, has your definition of success changed in the, in the various even phases of life? Obviously, your wife and yourself go back to school and, and have to kind of restart. Success maybe looks a little different than where you are today. Um, is that have you noticed that more role specific, or is that a personality trait for you as well? Yeah, I think it's probably more age specific, and maybe kind of reflects maybe upbringing. You know, first it was get a job, get to school, get a job, you know, start on a path, take care of your family, uh, and then I think like everything in life, it's then it was a matter of trying to figure out something that you wanted to do with the rest of your life. So I think that was part of it. And, and then it's, you know, of course, you always have these goals of certain titles and certain you want to make a certain income and all those are, you know, of course, we all go through that in life. And then I think maybe it's just more reflection on an age, you know, and then you get to a point where, you know, now it's like um, I grew up in a very religious home. I'm, I'm very religious myself and I feel more and more accountable for the blessings you get in life and, and your ability to impact people and the ability to, to impact your organization, the community. So, yeah, it's changed a lot. And the things that perhaps motivated me, I've always been a planner. So I've always thought in terms of what's the next uh, one to two years and and what do we need to do next? And I think a lot of it's just been, you know, trying to be motivated and really keep at it and push people. Um, You know, one of my favorite ideas about John Cotter's book about leading change is is really about creating urgency. And so I, I try to do that my own self and then I try to do it with the people I work with. So, yeah, I, I think it's just been kind of this revolving cycle of life to now that I, what I focus on today is a little different than maybe what I focused on when I was um, um, you know, first starting out. As you were transitioning from role into the actual CEO position, did you feel that you had to change at all? Did you feel being in a different position you interacted with your colleagues a little bit differently, you know, as people, as young entrepreneurs, as young leaders are, you know, getting the captain role on the basketball team to becoming CEO and everything in between. Do you feel that you have to change or just continue being you? For a long time, it was like, you know, just get a job, get through a a career change. And, uh, and then, you know, just as, as things evolved in life, more opportunities came and I and I do think there are some changes, you know, I kind of the line, you, you always wear the hat you're given. Uh, and so at times in my life, I've had to be very operational focused at other times, probably a little more strategic. 
other times in life, you know, I've, I've had to think more about community and board relations and all that. Uh, and then the other part that, that kind of happens along the way is at some point you look around and if you're in leadership roles, you realize you're kind of alone, even though you've got friends. And, you know, the idea is, you know, to think about it this way, you, you know, you have to tie your top button. You got to kind of stroll to a podium and you have to explain to people what you're doing, why you're doing it, what the mission of your organization is, what's the vision. And really, you know, it's it's that. And, and so, I, so I always always have looked at it as is wearing the hat you're given. And then the other thing I think about that is a person who does their job well, does that particular job well, it doesn't mean that's their only skill set. And so what we see a lot of times is when people are given different hats and different opportunities, they've, they flourish and they embrace those opportunities. And I think, again, it's just, I go back to the bosses that maybe sit back and watch, try to keep my mouth shut and really try to learn from people who are successful and then change accordingly. And again, I think mentors along the way can give you good advice. I used to have a boss that said, uh, you never want trouble in threes. You know, you're going to get out of control. Uh, you can have trouble. You have two issues that are troubling you at any one time. You get the third, you're going to get in trouble. Those kind of things in life, I think, are the things that kind of start to guide your thinking a little bit. And uh, yeah, and in and just again, I go back to a lot of the things I do today were, were were reflective of the mentors that I had a chance to either work directly for or just kind of see from afar. Randy, that makes me kind of wonder as you're hiring, especially hiring into leadership roles, but but really any role, are there certain characteristics you're looking for in someone who's kind of that up and comer that that are specific to what you focus or what you value as uh, crucial in order to get the position that you're seeking? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, there's been a lot written about people who are successful or not successful. And it's not knowledge. It's not technical skills. Usually, if you get to a certain point in life in a certain career, you have enough skills to get you to that point. And it's really, you know, what we talk about is emotional intelligence, the ability to get along with people, the really uh, the ability to understand all the people that you work with every day, no matter what they do in life. I think the idea that everybody's, you know, uh, important, everybody's part of the team, recognizing people. So, you know, again, I think you look for, you know, we, we talk a lot about servant leadership. You talk about people's heart and the ability to get along with people. And if, if you can do that, you're going to be successful. So, so you know, the things that I, I try to get out of people and try to understand the people that I try to, if I have influence on the people that are around me, it's really that that skill set and the ability to to really uh, interact with people, be nice to people, treat people with respect. And again, I think those are the sort of things. If you can do that, you're going to be successful in life. First off, that was like that has been the common theme, which I think is so necessary for so many people to hear that it's skills are great. But having that what you said, emotional intelligence is so critical in life, just everyday life of you know, just having conversations and relationships. I think that's so important. How important is it to you for, I know, but I would like you to talk about philanthropy. Uh, you are on many boards and what you have done for the Toledo community and what ProMedica has done. I, I am a native of Toledo. I have, I'm born and raised and downtown Toledo has never been better. How important is it to you? What ProMedica has done? You know, again, um, we're all blessed. Um, so Jim Collins wrote this great book, Good to Great. But the better book he wrote was called Good to Great in the Social Sectors. He wrote Good to Great in, I think, a year or two. 
And it took him a long time to write Good to the Great in the Social Sectors. And I think it's only like 60 pages long. And kind of what he said in there um, was, it doesn't matter how much money you make, which is really kind of the premise of Good to Great. But really, in his, his this short monograph he wrote, he goes, what's more important is the impact you make relative to your resources. And I think that's true for all of us. We all have different resources, both individually and organization, organizationally. And so I think what happens, and again, probably my religious upbringing is I'm going to be held accountable both personally and for the organization on, on what we've done for people and what we've done for the community. And I get not everybody's going to like what you do and, and, and who you are, and, and that's fine. But, but I think it's that. You know, I think we all have resources. And if we all try to make a significant impact, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a money thing. It could be, you know, the work that, that you guys are doing. It could be, the, the, you know, giving toys to kids and children's hospitals. I mean, it's that kind of thing that I think really makes communities better. And then I think this whole piece that we really see now, just given what's going on in our country, creating a spirit of hope and optimism. And I think those are the things when we think about philanthropy and, and our ability to make impacts. We have an, a way to impact our community. And again, directly and indirectly, it doesn't always have to be money wise. And I think those are the sort of things, you know, part of it is either either stop complaining or move or do something about it. And I think that's that's kind of where we're all at in life. And, and we're really blessed. We have a great uh, region. We have a great community. And I think we just need to celebrate it. And um, for folks that can be able to do things philanthropically, it's more critical, important than ever before. You speak to my heart through that because, you know, and it's exactly what you said. It's, you know, what resources you have and the means that you're able to do. But it that's what makes Toledo so amazing is the community that we have. And I'm very you know, very blessed to be a part of it and to be able to have, you know, Prometica to beautify and to bring amazing people to Toledo because of what you've done. What are, what's some advice that you have uh, for up and coming professionals to, you know, high school students to college, to wanting to be uh, entrepreneurs, to possible CEOs? What advice do you have uh, for them that are potentially looking for a leadership role? You know, I think a lot of it, uh, A, um, you know, we stress education. I think education is key. Um, you know, when I look at my own life, if without education, uh, that, that was my key to success. I think the other things you'd hear from a lot of people, you know, if somebody sent me a note and said, I'd like to have a cup of coffee with you, I have never said no to anybody that wants to have a cup of coffee. And I think that's true of 99% of people in leadership positions. The other part, I think, is is just a really kind of pace yourself and really begin to develop yourself as an individual. You know, there are resources out there. I'm always surprised that, you know, find resources all the time that are available to people who either want to get to a leadership position or they're an entrepreneur. And a lot of it is just looking and talking to people. And, and, and there are opportunities to really access resources and people so, so I think it's that. I think when people um, have the right heart and they go at it hard and they, they really start to network, I think one of the, you know, talk about life lessons, what I've learned probably over the last couple of years is the power of networks. And uh, a lot of things we're doing day to day at Prometica are not the first conversation. It's the second and third conversations, what they might lead to. So a lot of our development work today, a lot of our innovation has come from that. And people are so quick. To, to not do those things. And I think this broad networking and um, finding out 
people that that you can learn from. You know, I I was close to Brian Kennedy when he was here from the art museum. Close to that, we would exchange a lot of information. There was a pastor in town, Lee Powell at Cedar Creek Church. He 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 would send me a lot of information going back and forth. Were they my best friends? No, but they were people who did different things day to day than than I do. I I interact with a Michigan professor a lot who does a lot of work around life purpose. Find people different from yourself. Find people that can help you grow as a person, and just see where it takes you. And I, you know, I think again, just over the last you know, couple of years, this whole networking thing, uh, even though we know about it, is is so critically important for you to really make the connections in life that you need. Outstanding perspective. Really appreciate like all of it. Uh, and we respect the fact that, well, you've taken some time from a very busy schedule with a very busy time we've got, and we don't want to take more time than we need. We'd love to, at some point, sit down and talk again. But for this, very appreciative. And w- thank you for the information you shared. And, and I know this is impacting many out there. Yeah, no, I appreciate the time. You know, I think, and I'm sure you hear similar stories from from a lot of folks who who find themselves in leadership positions. You know, I think the only way our community gets better is to to do any of the things that that you mentioned today and talked about today. It's the work you're doing, trying to elevate dialogues around leadership, the optimism that you're communicating through through your podcasts, you know, this idea and the work you've done philanthropically. And then I think, you know, just given what's going on in our world, this this idea of of being able to connect people with their life purpose being able to, um, you know, show people hope and optimism. And really, you know, for a lot of us, you know, we're doing things in life that that you would have never thought or predicted given how we grew up and our backgrounds. And I think that's that's the story that we've talked about today and, and hopefully that people come away with. Absolutely. I mean, that I think that's the biggest thing is pe- we need to see that you're just human. You know, we see the titles but everyone is just human. You've had your ups, you've had your downs, and everyone's been through something and many things, and you've overcome them, and you've persevered. And I think that's what's most important. So again, thank you so much, and thank you for what you've done for our community, philanthropically, for you know making sure that we are safe and ready to uh, be together again through this COVID situation. We you know and keeping our front line safe and. Uh, we, we really appreciate you. Excellent. Great to be with you. Thank you so much. 